got a mean streak Oh, oh baby, got a mean streak Well, if you wanna stay with me, be my loving honey Be you must lose your mean streak Good morning, and welcome to episode 706 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller, along with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Hi, Ben. Hi. How are you? I'm well. That was my Mike Pesca impression. Oh. Uh, I'll do my Mike Pesca impression. Okay. Say, say, hang on, hang on. Is it going to be a pun? No. Okay. Okay. I've just given you instructions. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for being here, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Those are good. We should take those on tour. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. So then, let's talk about baseball. I have a couple quick things. You might have th- quick things. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, uh, we talked about trading within the division and whether it should be done and how often it should be done or whether there's some incentive to do it less often. Uh, and Russell Carlton dove into the math and wrote a piece at Baseball Prospectus answering just this very question, uh, and um, and I enjoyed it. So that's a thing people can read mm-hmm. at Baseball Prospectus. Uh, and I was thinking about the Astros, who earlier this year, uh, when they were off to their extremely hot start, we talked in great detail about uh, which parts were sustainable or, or weren't and w- whether we had changed our view dramatically. And I think Pakoda at the time projected a 485 winning percentage for them. Uh, and I think we both thought that we were not convinced they were a, a great team or a, a particularly good team. We thought uh, both, I think we both thought that they would win around half of their games. And I think you were maybe trying to get me to say more than half without yourself going that <laughs> far. And, um, and But we were basically, anyway, uh, I, so I just checked. And since that show, they are exactly 500. And so I just wanted to quickly ask whether your opinion of the Astros has changed since that show. Yeah, I think it probably has a little bit. Although, even though they have just done the thing that you at that show said that you expected them to do. Yeah, because it seemed like maybe there was a greater possibility that they would do more than that thing. Although, I mean, you know, they've brought up uh, McCullers and Velasquez and Correa. I guess Correa was post that podcast. Possibly. I, yeah, they probably all were. Maybe, maybe they, well, I don't know. Yeah, but McCullers was early, but... Correa definitely was. Yeah, and those guys have been impressive, and those guys have plugged the holes that they had, really, and they're about to get Lowry back. He's on a rehab assignment, or he's just about to be. So it's not like they have a, a ton of weaknesses, you know? Maybe infield corners have been kind of iffy, but I still mostly buying and okay. and they seem like a team that could upgrade more and their playoff odds are almost 80 percent even now well yeah because right but the question is whether they've you thought they were about a 500 team mm-hmm. then and they've played as a 500 team since then right but, but you now think they're a better than a, a 500 team eh, slightly maybe yeah pakota has them at 520 now expected win, win percentage for the rest of the year that's that's impressive it is it's that's a big it's a big jump that's a big jump yeah it was so it was 485 back then yeah i guess it's korea <laughs> pakoda must like korea yeah that, well that's i probably, don't blame pakoda that's probably part of it all right good mm-hmm. okay so uh we're uh we're now buying the astros yeah sure good all right okay that's what i have okay i'm ready to proceed 
All right, so let's talk about Zach Greinke. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Greinke, of course, has what has he done? He's he's got a one point three ERA, uh, which is not really as close to one point one two as you think it is. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's still on a percentage basis, it's still sort of far away. So let's say uh, he's going to have thirteen more starts this year. So let's say he's going to have uh, ninety five innings. In those 13 starts. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. So that would put him at 226 innings. And to get 226 innings uh, with a 1.11 ERA would be... Hang on, I'm going to do some math here. Okay. So uh, if he gets to 226 innings, to have a 1.12 ERA, he will need to allow 28 earned runs. Uh, which means that he can only allow nine earned runs in those 95 innings. And nine earned runs in 95 innings is a zero, a 0.85 ERA. So all he has to do to close the gap is to have a 0.85 ERA <laughs> as a starter for almost an entire half of a baseball season. That's a pretty tall order. That is, like, really, like... This is, I, I think that it is fun to, to watch records be chased. And if a guy is hitting 395, I'm super into it. I'll admit it. Uh, I like records. But this one is just, it's not, it's really misleading to, to see that number and think that he's close. He is not at all close. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but that's not the point. No, right? <laughs> no one's saying, hey, Zach Greinke is... He's, no one is saying that. He's 95 innings away and, and nine earned runs away from, from a 1.12 ERA. That's true. No one is saying that. The record that is closer at hand and that is it's probably much more realistic uh, is that he has uh, he's basically two starts away from potentially breaking Oral Hershiser's record for scoreless innings in yes. a row. That uh, is the, that's the thing people have been saying. That is the thing people have been saying. And in those 40, you know, he's pitched his last six starts. He hasn't allowed a run. He struck out 42, walked four, 19 hits, no runs, ERA zero. And that's really good. That's really impressive. And so I guess I don't have a, a, a theme for this, but I guess the simplest question is, uh, has Zach Granke actually taken a huge step forward in your mind? Is he a different pitcher than he used to be? Or is this just one of those years? I think he is different. He's definitely doing things differently. I don't know whether those things have made him the best Zach Granke ever. I think the best Zach Granke ever is probably still Royals Cy Young year Zach Granke. But he has done some things to compensate for the fact that he's older now and doesn't have quite the same stuff that he did. And there were some good things written about the streak. And interestingly, all of those things sort of had different takeaways or, or pinned the the credit for the streak on different things that he's doing. So I read a Joe Sheehan post about it. Jonah Carey did a, a good post at Grantland. Jeff Sullivan did multiple posts on it, and they all sort of had different things that they noticed and focused on. So Joe kind of talked about the opponents that Granke has faced, and, and obviously he has not faced the best opponents during this run. He has faced a lot of not great hitting teams in pitchers' parks for the most part. So if you look at where the the league offenses rank that he's faced during this stretch, then they haven't been great. And obviously, 
I mean, it's almost pointless to point out because any pitcher who is on a crazy scoreless streak is going to have a super low BABIP because you can't have a crazy scoreless streak if you have a high BABIP. If you're allowing lots of hits, you will not allow no runs. So you almost have to have things going your way to a certain extent to have a streak like this. But uh, but you also, you also, though, would expect to have, in addition to the crazy low BABIP, you would expect also to have crazy dominant performance yeah, overall. Right. And yes. I think that's, if you wanted to make any case against Granky, I mean, it's a pretty simple one. It's a pretty familiar one. Uh, this year, overall, he hasn't really been, you know, a, like by FIP, he hasn't been notably better than anybody else in the league. You know, he hasn't, he's not having his career best year as far as peripherals go. He's, even in this streak, he's, you know, striking out less than a batter an inning. They're good. They're good numbers, as you would expect from somebody who hasn't allowed a run in 43 innings. But Mm -hmm. they're not, like Kershaw, for instance, over the same stretch, uh, if you weren't looking at ERA, if you were just looking at every other number on the line except for runs allowed, you would bet that Kershaw was having this streak, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think Greinke himself has really been better during the streak than he was prior to the streak at least not notably, and I think he has even said as much because Zach Greinke will say things like that, yep. which is why everyone loves Zach Greinke, rightfully so. But uh, so a couple of the things that people have highlighted, Jonah focused on the outer thirdness mm-hmm. of new Zach Greinke, so he, he stays away now. His fastball is still fine, but it's not what it once was. It's not mid-90s anymore. And so he's staying away and he's throwing more pitches on the outer third of the plate and away than anyone else. And he's getting really good results on those pitches. I was just going to ask if you found that convincing. Sort of. I feel like this season, I feel like the outer third is getting rehabilitated this year, thanks to Dallas Keuchel. Because it's like the last few years, inner third or pitching in, I mean, you know, in and out have always been... Two of the top options, the top places for pitchers to pitch, um, both ahead of middle. But there's been a lot in the last few years about pitching in and the Pirates and cutters in and getting grounders, and that's kind of been the hot area. And now there's just been so much focus on Dallas Keuchel and his pitching away and how well that's worked for him in a way is good. Away, if you miss away, you're probably less likely to miss over the middle, and guys can't hit away. Away is far away. It's hard to not hit away pitches off the end of your bat, so if you can actually hit the glove, and if you're throwing to Yasmani Grandal, who's maybe been the best framing catcher in baseball, and he can get you some extra inches on that outside corner, then that's great. And if you have Zach Greinke's command, and Dallas Keuchel's command, that should makes sense that'd be a good place to throw your pitches by the way what do you think of keichelangelo as a nickname uh because he paints the the corner yeah um I, I think i like it yeah i think i like it a lot yeah i do too it's clever yeah it is uh so here's the here's here's the the reason that it might not be convincing and this is not this has this is the simplest argument possible but granky was already throwing a lot of pitches away he was already near the top of the leaderboard um, and he has thrown 
considerably fewer pitches away during the streak, as Jonah mm-hmm. pointed out, than he did in the first half of the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but still more than still, in a previous season. Still more. However, if you look at his year 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 by year, 2012, he was almost the exact you know, almost the same rate in 2012. I mean, we're basically talking about the difference between 2012 and the streak right now is like one extra pitch out of 100 mm-hmm. on the outer third. Like, like, I mean, that's not a big deal, right? It's maybe, no. It maybe is two pitches out of 100. But mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I mean, we're looking for things that he's doing differently because he's on this crazy streak, whereas 90% of the streak is Zach Greinke's a really good pitcher, so he's more likely to have a really good streak, and he's had things go his way. Yeah. So that's most of it, and that's not all that fun to talk about, really. So we kind of talk about the improbability of it, and we talk about things that maybe make it slightly less improbable because he's doing them well. So the other thing, I guess Jeff focused more on not so much the outer thirdness as the non-middleness of where his pitches have been over this streak, and he showed a great gif of pitch plots from Baseball Savant that show a very Mariano Rivera-like uh, bimodal distribution, I guess would be the, the technical term, but basically he's throwing pitches on the outside corner and the inside corner, and a little bit out off the plate and you know in off the plate, out off the plate, but nothing in the middle. He, there's just a swath of blue in this Baseball Savant graph where there are no pitches. Pitches are green. There are no pitches there. And that's a really good thing. If you can avoid the middle of the plate, that's a pretty good explanation for why you haven't been hit very hard over that stretch. And so we don't know whether he is now suddenly a guy who never hits the middle of the plate like Mariano Rivera was, or whether he's just happened to have a stretch of really good command and his mechanics have been in sync, and maybe there's some randomness to command also, where you just miss by a, a certain amount just unavoidably, and he hasn't happened to do that over this stretch. So that's as good as an explanation as any, is that he's just avoided hard contact by avoiding the places where pitches result in hard contact, which is probably not something that he can keep doing as well as he has during the streak over the rest of the season. But that's why it's a streak. That's why it stands out. And and obviously, I mean, he's in Dodger Stadium, and it's a season when offense is low, and it's more likely for that to happen in a season like this, also. But those are those are good reasons. And yeah. and and Jeff wrote a, a whole post about Zach Greinke's changeup and how his separation between his changeup and his fastball has been less than ever before, and really only Felix Hernandez can compare to that. And it was interesting, I didn't know that about Zach Greinke, that he used to have a huge separation between his fastball and his changeup, and now it's a tiny one, and his changeup is working really well. And that's one of those things that no one would have said coming into the season, he needs to get less separation between his fastball and his changeup, because that's generally not regarded as a, a good thing. There's sort of a a spectrum. Harry Pavlidis did a, a good series on what makes a good changeup at BP a couple of years ago, and and he found I think that what the the closer they are together, the more likely the changeup is to be a ground ball pitch, whereas yeah. the bigger the separation, the more likely it is to be 
a, a, a strikeout pitch and that like Steven Strasburg was the, the best guy at getting grounders and also getting whiffs. And so I don't know that there's any like correlation between what the separation is and how good the changeup is. It's just sort of a different changeup depending on what the separation is. So no one would have said if Zach Granke could just get his fastball changeup separation to like three miles per hour, he'll be an ace and he'll have a great scoreless streak. And we don't even know if it's necessarily a, a good thing or whether he should be doing that. But he is doing that, and it's different, and it's working so far. So it's worth pointing out. But that's another thing that is different about him, if not necessarily better. Yeah. And so there are basically three, there are three um, I don't know, frames by which you can enjoy a streak. One is just the fact that it is happening it is exciting to watch a thing happening. So if like if I saw a guy who was flipping coins and he got to like 85 heads in a row, I would be pretty excited. Like I'd be excited to see the 86. Like the whole like it'd be like watching a guy play craps, right? Like you'd get into it even if it's just uh, whatever. It's like it's a it's a an, an anomaly and it's fun to see anomalies, okay? Mm-hmm. So that one we can agree uh, that this great impressive amazing record is threatened. Uh, is exciting and fun, and I will absolutely like to watch him go for that, right? Yep. Okay, number two is it's an opportunity to see a guy who is completely dominating the sport, and uh, so the question is, is that cranky at this point? And I would argue that from my not having really been engaged with this view, uh, uh, with this uh, streak uh, view, uh, it doesn't feel like this is actually the most dominant stretch of pitching in baseball this year. No, it, it is definitely dominant enough to it be enjoyable, uh, but it is. Um, I, I would probably like again probably if I if I could go back and rewatch every one of Kershaw's last ten starts mm-hmm. uh, instead of this from a dominance perspective, I probably would choose that over this. Or Max Scherzer's best Max- stretch of starts this year. Yes. Uh, so uh, very, very, very good, but I don't think quite uh, the level of dominance that, that the record chase completely suggests. The right. third one and the most interesting one is, again, it's the corner turn. Is Granke a better pitcher now than he was a year ago? And this one is the most important one because there's, this is the one that has the most truth in it, the least subjectivity, um, and also because... Zach Greinke is very likely going to be a free agent in three months, right? He's mm-hmm. got he's got an opt-out in his contract. And most guys do prefer to hit free agency after their 1.30 ERA season. Sure. Most guys, given the choice, will hit free agency after that year. So presumably he will opt out. Presumably he will opt out, and then the Dodgers will probably just do what the Yankees did with Sabathia and throw him a ton of money. Before he actually hits the market. But I don't know. Maybe Granky doesn't want that. Who knows? But anyway, it, it matters because his uh, a team is going to have to decide. A bunch of teams are going to have to decide whether what pitcher Zach Granky is right now. And I would say coming into this year uh, that he would have been on the low end of the list of aces in the league. And his you know he doesn't have the traditional indicators of an ace or, and hasn't for the last few years. He's been very good. Uh, but... You know he's he's become something less than the pitcher he was in his Cy Young season in Kansas City, and this, on some level, looks like a return to that. He has been arguably, you know, one of the 
best pitchers in baseball this year. So the question I have for you, Ben, two-part question. You have a game to start tomorrow, and every pitcher in baseball is fresh, and it's a must-win. How many pitchers do you start ahead of Granky tomorrow? And same question, but let's say for September 28th, 2015. So we're taking the potential hotness out of the equation and looking at his current true talent ability, uh, but separated by just a couple months. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say there'd be at least five guys I'd start before Grinky now. Can I guess them? Well, I don't even know that I have them in my head right now, but, you know, Scherzer, Scherzer, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, yeah. probably probably Kluber. Okay. Felix and Jose Fernandez? I don't know if I'd go Fernandez right now. Maybe. Probably probably not quite yet, but but yeah, that's that's about it, really. You know, you know Fernandez has a 1.56 fit since coming back. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. Uh-huh. Just making sure you do that. Did we say Chris Sale? I can't remember. I did say Chris Sale, yeah. So that if so that would be five or six. Yeah, it's uh, it's in that range. Madison Bumgarner? No. Okay. Um who else can I think of? Keiko. Keiko, yeah, Keiko's. Keiko's. Yeah, I don't think I would start Keiko before him. I guess uh-huh. it depends. Depends on my defense, maybe. Okay. All right. And maybe somebody we're forgetting. But okay, so five or six. Does the answer change at all if we bump it to September? David Price, maybe. David Price, um, maybe for September, but not. Maybe, maybe for now. Maybe for now. And so are you saying that the answer does not change for September? To Like you don't think that the hotness is a factor? Well, I mean, the f- not hitting the middle of the plate part is kind of compelling to me, but I don't know that there is, I don't know that I necessarily buy that he can avoid the middle of the plate tomorrow much better than he can in September, but I guess, I guess I would say there's a slightly better chance that he could, right? Like, assuming that that, it's not purely randomness, right? It can't be purely randomness that he has not hit the middle of the plate over this span of time. It might not be predictive, but you would think that during this stretch, he must have been just more put together mechanically or mentally or whatever it is that would allow him to do something like that over a a fairly substantial stretch. So it's probably less likely that he would lose whatever that is tomorrow than, you know, months from now when lots of things can happen in the interim. But I don't know that the stats would necessarily say that. But I'll I'll say I'd want him now slightly more than I would at the end of September, but probably not enough to really move him on the leaderboard of guys I would want. And just to just to clarify, just to make sure that none of these are names you've forgotten, I don't think they are, but you would choose him over Sonny Gray, Jacob deGrom, Jake Arrieta, Garrett Cole, Johnny Cueto? I don't think I would take any of those guys over. Cueto, Cueto might be close. DeGrom has been just incredible for a couple seasons now, so kind of hard to argue against DeGrom, but... But yeah, I'd go with Granky. And I don't think there's any clear separation between Granky and a couple of those guys, but Granky, sure. Okay, uh, two more questions, two quick ones. Uh, would you bet that Zach Granky's ERA will be lower than his FIP for the rest of the year, over his next nine starts? Mm, 
Yeah, that's a good question because that's that's basically asking if I think that he can allow weaker contact than the yeah. average pitcher, basically. And- and it's asking, yes, and it's asking whether you think that the ERA is more predictive than the FIP, which changes. I mean, if you think that the FIP is the best ERA indicator or predictor for him, then, you know, DeGrom and Arietta and a couple of other guys are really right there with him. Garrett Cole right. are right there with him. And he's not historically a guy who beats his FIP or, or underperforms the ERA or whatever. He's well, not Chris Young, really. He wasn't for most of his career. In fact, he was the opposite. And uh-huh. then since he's been uh, in L.A., he has he has been for, you know, the last three years and, you know, not by not by massive margins the first two years. Mm-hmm. But but since he's been in L.A., it's been every year. Yeah, I'm going to say no, I would I would not bet on one to be higher or lower than the other. All right. And then last question, if he were stretched out as a starter. Who would you want starting a game tomorrow, Zach Granke or Araldis Chapman? <laughs> Granke. Okay. So you think that if the uh, if the Reds had uh, put Chapman in the rotation to start the year or last year or three years ago or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't be as good as Granke? There's definitely a lot more uncertainty surrounding my expectation for Chapman, right? Because we haven't seen him start. Who I don't know how he can start. Yeah. So, I think you're right. I mean, I would also take Greinke. I mean, you wouldn't bet on the guy to be better. You wouldn't bet on really any pitcher in the world. Hey, well, you didn't say Harvey. Is Harvey definitely not a guy either? Yeah, not Harvey. Okay. You basically would not bet on any human being to be as good as Greinke. Mm-hmm. Now, we have, we're, we, have, we have more than zero information about Chapman. We know how he does as a reliever. Yes. Uh, but... All the same, just imagine that you're starting from a blank slate. You just you would probably not bet on him. All right, mm-hmm. good. Okay. I'm trying to come up with a question based on aging because the the encouraging thing about Cranky is that he has lost stuff, but he has gotten better or has not gotten worse, which is good. Like he doesn't fall into the Lincecum, Verlander, Sabathia camp of guys who lost velocity and fell apart and maybe he hasn't lost as much as as some of those guys have he still throws fairly hard but the fact that he has become a different pitcher without really becoming a worse pitcher is encouraging right I don't know how to capture that in a question but the fact that he has lost stuff and not lost results lost effectiveness it makes you more optimistic about him as a 35 year old or something right like if you if you're the team if he does opt out and you're the team that's trying to decide whether to sign him as a free agent this year you're probably more well we talked about this once right like would you rather have the guy who hasn't lost any stuff or the guy who has already lost some stuff but has made adjustments and has done really well despite losing the stuff because you never know we know that everyone's going to lose stuff but we don't know how guys are going to respond to it. So it's possible that the guy who loses stuff might be Verlander and not know how to respond to it or not have a second gear or a plan B or whatever. And he might just go from being great to terrible. Whereas the guy who's had the gentle decline in stuff, but has made adjustments, we know he's probably not going to fall apart if he loses a little more stuff. And I think when we talked about that, I still said I'd prefer to have the guy who hasn't lost any stuff yet. 
I also would prefer to have the guy who hasn't lost any stuff yet. I think the question with Granky, or the reason that Granky is, you'd be optimistic about him, is that uh, he is the type of profile of a guy who you would think would handle it well, right? He's got a very broad repertoire. He's always had good command. Um, and so, you know, it, that's the sort of guy. He's never been reliant on the velocity in a way that some pitchers are. And so you would think if anybody could, like you would bet on him over, over Linscombe, like minus five miles an hour, right? Yeah, I think so. So it's, it's less surprising that he has managed to make all these adjustments. And it's kind of not surprising at all that he has managed to make these adjustments. I would still rather he, I would rather, I would rather have Granky with the two miles an hour than without. <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. Are there any relevant Molly Knight book anecdotes about Cranky here? Any uh, favorites that haven't the, been done the, to death in the media? Been, they've been done to death. Yeah. The, the one about the washing your hands was an all-timer, but okay. it's been done. Yeah. Right. The, the Poznanski one from a few years ago, which has also been done to death. But which that, one? that might one? refresh my memory. All right. So the, the one from Poznanski a few years ago, I think, is the all-timer. Uh, and so I'm just going just gonna to read it. Uh, Royals relief pitcher Jeremy Affelt gave up a home run. He was upset in the dugout, of course, and he stormed around muttering at himself, that wasn't even that bad of a pitch. <laughs> right, I remember this one now. Actually, Zach said, it was a pretty bad pitch. <laughs> Affelt looked up at Granke. Thanks, Zach, Affelt said, his voice dripping with sarcasm. No, Zach said. Really, I went back to the clubhouse and looked at the pitch on video. It was a really bad pitch, right over the middle of the plate, and you got it up. I mean, it was a bad pitch. <laughs> Thanks, Zach, Affelt said again. Right down the middle, Granky said. I couldn't hit it out. Affelt looked into Granky's eager face and just shook his head. Thanks, Zach, he said. Yeah, Granky said, and he walked back to his seat in the dugout. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. So that's it for today. You can send us emails at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. I apologize for the somewhat unpredictable nature of our podcast schedule these days, but we're doing the best we can to fit it in. And you can rate and review the show on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes also so that when we do do shows, you'll know about them. And you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild and support our sponsor, the play index at baseballreference.com. Use the coupon code BP when you subscribe to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription.